back to the uh, Masters of Modern podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Mr. Ben Bateman. Hello, sir. What's up? We're here. We're back. Excited to be talking magic with you. Uh, big week. We've got just a few weeks until we, well, I for sure I'm going to be at uh, Magic Con at Minneapolis. I'm hoping to drag you, to drag you by your feet. Yeah, to I, would, I would say I'm at a, I'm at a 60% likely to go. It, yeah. it, what, it like for a hot second, it went up all the way to 75. It's now gone down to 60. Oh, really, exactly. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, I have been I have been making plays to Alex and his family to try to get him uh, with a with a with a one year old whose birthday I went to on uh, Sunday, which was great. Great tacos. Wonderful. Your son ate but a lot the, of a cake. He ate a lot of a cake. It, what is oh, that called? He like, he like devoured like a third. It's called a smash cake, which is just means it's like it's made out of like carrots and peanut butter <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> sounds okay. gross to an adult but for ash it's like oh this is great but speaking i, I do want to just jump into some stuff because uh you know no one likes a podcast that rambles about intros too long so first off we have we have a big uh, you have a big announcement at, at least you have a big announcement and, and if i'm in minneapolis i'll be a participant of this experience so in minneapolis the mm cast panel experience is back baby ben Jeez. what's going on it's a huge one. It's a big announcement, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, as you know, uh, we do these chaos drafts at every major event. I have been spearheading these for years now in the pre-COVID and the post-COVID days. Um, I'm obsessed with chaos drafting, and I love to try to curate what I feel is an important or special chaos experience. And I will really put the time and the effort into these chaos drafts to make sure that I feel the packs involved are important. I don't like to just throw a random pile. I like to be a little bit more deliberate than that. And uh, many of you who have listened to this have heard about these. And some friends of ours who listen to the show have been a part of them. So uh, because we do that so often, I pitched the idea to Reed Poppin' Wizards that I wanted to do a Chaos Draft panel with none other than Wizards' own Gavin Verhey, who is very often involved in our Chaos Drafts. He's one of the only people in the world that knows and loves Chaos Drafts as much as I do. And Gavin was hyped. So uh, we are doing a Chaos Draft panel. It will be on Saturday. Uh, it will be myself and Gavin and potentially Alex. Hopefully Alex, if Alex is going to be there. We are going to pick eight fantastic packs from Magic's history, a wide range that will illustrate the full history of Magic. And we will be opening, cracking those packs live on the panel. We will be uh, establishing and discussing our pack one, pick ones of each of the packs, having discussions about those particular draft formats and all of the wonderful cards. And then at the end of it, we're going to be giving away every single card that we open to the audience. And we're hoping, we're hoping, depending on the packs that become available to us, that we have some really epic packs. We'll have some incredible stuff. I mean, definitely fun stuff dating all the way back to you know, the mid 90s Magic's early era. But uh, we're definitely hoping to have some pretty spicy stuff, uh, you know, ho hoping to get some good ones. So um, it's going to be really fun. I can't wait. Obviously, we will also do a chaos draft uh, in in Minneapolis because I always do one. Um, but uh, the goal is to do that on the Saturday and to, to make sure that we can convince Mr. Kessler here to come with us so we can have uh, the three amigos of chaos drafting all up there together. And I, I really hope you guys can make it regardless i think it'd be also really interesting like if this goes well which it should because all of the people listening and all of our you know all the people in the show are excited to see more info about chaos drafting um goes well i think it would be really cool to see if like as an extension to like magic vegas maybe uh if they can like run an mm cast or a ben bateman uh hosted chaos draft event 
right? Like have it yeah. be a higher buy-in, maybe do it for charity. Um, but like officially through read pop, do like a thing where people can buy in and part of the actual event series. Cause I think one thing I will say is like, you're already basically doing that where like, uh, pretty much for the last like five of these events, uh, Ben has hosted these really cool chaos drafts and, um, you know, they're, they are, they're master masterfully curated, right? Ben, Ben's not throwing in a, it's not like, cause when you do like a chaos draft through like a normal TO experience, these can be fun, but often it's exclusively like draft chaffed packs of the last six years. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, and often it'll be like stuff like battle for Zendikar where it's like, these are packs of sets that also don't synergize well into an environment where it's like okay i'm gonna open this pack and there's gonna be like four to seven unplayable cards not because they're bad but because they all like require you to be an ingester deck chaos drafting as a format in very much the same way that sort of any alternative thing of means that were not as popular is created they, they tend to be things that didn't sell as well that the tournament organizers and stores have a lot of stock left and the reason mm-hmm. you can kind of get away with them is because it's not expensive because these are the things we have sitting around and while that's really fun and a, a $12 chaos draft with your friends is super fun where you guys each bring three packs, like, don't get me wrong. I will enjoy those till the day I die. There's something really fun about opening packs in a chaos draft of sets that you really like. Like you really are excited about an Innistrad pack or this Modern Masters 2013 pack that you just like remember loving that set is in here. Or like you're opening some like Visions or Weatherlight pack from 20 years ago and you're just like, these cards are all going to be crazy. I've never even seen these. I don't know what these cards do or you're opening like an Urza saga pack and there could be a Gaia's cradle in it. Like, you know, like I think really, really wild draft experiences like that. Um, they can be a little more expensive, but they're really super fun. And a lot of my favorite memories with these have been the person that opens the like pack foil legions, Acroma or something. And it's just like, Oh, not only is this card going to be super fun for the format, but it's like an old, weird, cool pack foil and everyone gets really hyped. And, you know, it's like that's the fun of it. So I want to recreate that experience in the pack opening at the panel. And then also if we open anything incredible then the person in the audience who randomly wins is going to get all that stuff. So, yeah, I also like I love a um, I love old packs as part of this experience and they don't have to be the good ones. Like we used to do it would be a combo of uh, one. One of the packs would be one Homelands pack and one Fallen oh, Empires pack because both of them are eight cards each. And just reading through those cards, they're all like, well, like, and and some of it's weird because they're unplayable from the like the era of, um, you know, that that a that in that era of magic, they were unplayable because a lot of them were just like creatures weren't good then and this and that weren't good and limited didn't exist. So like the idea of like cards that are better, like a limited environment, that's good. But like cards are bad. Didn't wasn't a concept, but you'll like get halfway through reading a thing and you're like. Oh wait, this is like a bonkers limited bomb. This is like yeah. a like a insanely good like removal spell or like oh this gives a creature tap do two damage to any creature for like for one mana but like it has like 60 other words of text on it that like sound like it doesn't do anything. <laughs> um and or you'll get the other way where like you'll open up an Ice Age pack, which like now Ice Age is actually like worth money cuz there's stuff like Mystic Grimoire in it, but uh you'll end up with like what is it? I always forget what the card is called, but basically it's like target creature gains protection oh. from white enchantments. If it's enchanted by an aura and opponent controls. And if they do, you lose three life or something <laughs> like all of this. 
is it, is it Balduvian shaman? That's like, that's like my favorite one, right? Like I think I'm trying to remember, uh, yeah, Balduvian shaman. That's like, that's a, that's a choice, choice magic card. <laughs> Change the text of target white enchantment you control that doesn't have cumulative upkeep by replacing all instances of one color word with another. <laughs> it just goes on and on. But yeah, those cards are super fun. I agree. There, there's something really charming about the old packs and they, I mean, the, the sad thing for me is that they've they've gotten so expensive. When we used to do this five or six or seven years ago, you really used to be able to get a lot of those old packs in there for for fairly cheap. And Ice Age packs are like forty or fifty dollars now. Even like Homelands and Fallen Empires packs, which are total garbage, are like fifteen bucks each. So like a combo of the two of them is like thirty bucks 30. now. It's like rough. So, but, but I mean, you know what? The point is it's super, super fun and, and we always have a good time doing it. And no matter how many times I've done it, I still love going back to the well. So it's, it's going to be a great time to talk about the history of magic with another magic historian and Gavin. And, uh, obviously if you've ever been at these events and you've seen us doing this, this is kind of the, the this is the place to hear us really talk is about it, it. Is Homeland just expensive now because like there's reserve list cards in it. And so you just run into like the fact that like random things like didgeridoo and leeches are worth money. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong about this, that there are no reserve list cards in Homelands. Okay. Uh, unless, unless I'm wrong and didgeridoo, I mean, didgeridoo, I think didgeridoo is, the- is on the reserve because it always spikes when minotaurs are coming back and then it just like immediately goes down when like wizards announces a set has minotaurs and then none of them are grizzle brand and then it goes back down right yes, I, guess, I guess it has to be on the reserve list because it's the only good card in the set so if it wasn't it would have come back in a master set by now so i'm sure i guess i guess probably like didgeridoo and a couple yeah but i think it's it's a combination so, so of like le- leeches leeches is like the only poison removal spell right target player loses all poison counters leeches deals one damage for that for each poison counter removed yeah yeah there's like nothing yeah it's so weird that these are expensive it's like they're expensive because of us <laughs> they're, also they're old i mean that's the that's the thing yeah, like they're yeah. expensive because they're because there's like a couple cards that are 20 bucks but it's more of the fact that like they're from you know it's going to be 30 years ago relatively soon mm-hmm. that, those, that those sets came out and they're as much as it used to just be, there was like copious amounts of them, like kind of kind of in the way that right now, if you were to go and try to buy like Crimson Vow packs, you wanted to buy like Crimson Vow collector boosters, right? Like you were like, I'm going to buy. You can get them for half what they were selling for because mm-hmm. that set is not popular. And there's so many of them. And it's like, wow, yeah, value Ball, is insane. Fallen Empires is even worse. And I think the box is actually more expensive. Rainbow Veil is like the only card, but 30 years from now, will those packs of, you know, will those packs of collector boosters from Crimson Valley worth money? Probably in 30 years. It doesn't matter how much of something you print at one time, you know, like it, it, if enough time passes, the scarcity just goes up. And so yeah. that's why I think so. Anyway, this so, is our so the answer is wizards. Please print uh, like a fallen empires. And homelands homelands remastered just for limited because <laughs> they're <laughs> so <old> border <laughs> <laughs> like the worst sets ever yeah uh but yeah it's it's i'm super super excited i'm 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 very grateful and honored that we are being featured to do this panel i think it's really cool and uh i'm just looking forward to getting to do that and also just hang out the whole weekend i i'm these magic cons have become like one of my favorite things in the entire world and 
you know, I, I just am super excited to be going. What, what is, what is your least favorite pack to include in a chaos draft? And what is like the one you avoid? And then what's your favorite one that you make sure to include every time? Okay. Favorite pack ever to include is apocalypse. It's my number one pack. Uh, apocalypse packs are my favorite uh for those that don't remember apocalypse was the third set from invasion block it's from like 2001 i believe um it was the first enemy colored set ever uh that had like focused on enemy colored cards uncommon like you know invasion and plane shift apocalypse was kind of like a, the first multicolor set that really went deep so the most famous card from apocalypse at this point i think is fire ice that's the that's the card that has kind of lived on in many formats um, the thing about Apocalypse that I like so much is because we hadn't seen a lot of enemy color cards printed, you end up with a lot of stuff that feels very basic, like early basic versions of the type of card you'd want to see in enemy colors. So like Fire Ice is a great example, the common Jilt or like um, Consume Strength. Like there's a ton of cards in that set, common, uncommon and rare that are just like now they'd seem like basic designs, but for limited, they're really fun because they're from a card evaluation perspective, they're not overpowered. They're just like good value cards because they're in two colors and so they're fun to draft. They 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 make for two color uh, draft archetypes that just like feel really fun. And you're like, you kind of know what you're getting. So Apocalypse is kind of my favorite. Um, least favorite is weird because I feel like it's mostly just sets that I think suck. It's like... I like core sets more than I like some bad expansions um, and the really bad expansions. I like more like like Fall, Fallen Empires and Homelands and the ones that are like notoriously horrible. They're more fun than than sets that are just generally boring. So I, I try to avoid stuff like you mentioned, like Battle for Zendikar or like I really dislike unpopular sets that have a lot of text. I'm not a big fan of like the Dungeons and Dragons set. I think like the amount of the amount of like the three mode roll of D20 types of cards or any set that has a lot of double face cards or a lot of text. Because you, you, you just have so much reading you have to do that like it it does stall out the draft a little bit even where like it's not like funny old sets. It's at least funny. But like with like that, it's like, oh, I just read a lot of cards for no reason. Yeah, I, I think so. If you get old enough past a certain point of like if you're if you're at least 15 years old, I kind of have sympathy whether you're good or bad, like betrayers of Kamigawa or whether you're talking about like, you know, I don't even know, like born of the gods or like some, you know, some like RTR set from 10 years ago. Like I, I have a little more sympathy when it's, you start to get like a decade to 15 years. But if you're talking about sets in the last five or six that just weren't fun when they came out they weren't exciting and they're wordy those are the ones that i don't like to put in there because they just feel like chaff nobody gets excited to open the pack and then the pack itself there's nothing cool you can open because it's cheap there was nothing good in the pack and also it's complicated like that to me is sort of like the ultimate it's like the ultimate version of the feel bads with the packs so but i with chaos i like opening anything i like opening collector boosters i like opening I think yeah. I think from my experience, I think it's yeah, the more parasitic, the worse. I think actually like I like really disliked um the third Alara set is oh, one the, I've like the multicolor one, Alara Reborn? Yeah, Alara Reborn, the one that every single card is gold. Yeah. Like 
it's it, it, like it, it's the problem with gold cards in limited formats in general, right? Like the thing the thing that in chaos draft you don't have like as guarantees is like good mana fixing, right? Like because some of the sets would are built around that, but some aren't. So you don't get a situation where like the heavy gold cards are like very easy to figure out how to play in a deck. And if you have all gold and you're just not in those colors, you might just get packs. You're just like like it could be your fourth pick or third pick, and you're just like, oh, there's actually nothing in here for me and then i'm gonna wheel this and it's still gonna have nothing in here for me those i think are the ones that like that and like i mentioned battle for zenicar right like the stuff that just like every card in here is a synergy pile that like i can't play with and in, in that sense some of the kamigawa sets also i've like never when i've opened them i'm like oh this is expensive for how unplayable because that's part of it right like i know within a lara reborn pack or a kamigawa pack this was a 50 dollar pack that has nothing worthwhile in it for me versus like Innistrad or Lorowin or, you know, there's these other expensive sets that do are a little bit more playable like shadow more. Cause at least with hybrid mana, you can play it in almost any deck you get. So you're going to open a good card. That's I think where my least favorite options are favorite I options think, kind of the reverse. And it's like artifact sets, like almost all of them. Yeah. I like, even though they're synergy piles, they all like are good. And and to be honest, like Innistrad, I like love Innistrad partially because it's not like there's three gold cards in the entire set. <laughs> I mean, Innistrad, like if you were asking me, like what are, what are like my favorites? Like, yeah, Apocalypse is high up there. Innistrad's a really high pick. I love Innistrad. It's an incredibly good limited set, super fun cards. Fifth Dawn is what you're talking about. It's just, in terms of artifact sets, I often like Fifth Dawn because of the introduction of Sunburst and how fun Sunburst is. Like the fact that you have so much artifact, but you also can invest in multicolor in that set is a really great mechanic. The first three Modern Master sets, uh, all I guess all of the Modern Master sets, so so 13, 15, and 17 are all great. I think those are all incredible. Oh, so that was going to be my hot take, I think, was I actually don't love Master sets in these drafts either. P- part of it, it feels like cheating. Because they're so powerful, you mean? There's not. Well, A, they're so powerful. So like you go through like every card here is good. But B, it's like it doesn't. It's like because it is a chaos draft environment, right? Like they're they're inherently like mixed match versions of a bunch of different sets being put together. So it doesn't feel as nostalgically chaotic to me for. And then they're like and then you have the power level problem where they're like super swinging and power level. So like in some ways, I would say like a master set to me makes it it's too easy street it's like built to be chaos it's it's kind of like wearing the band shirt to the concert the that you're going to right I, is i think the best metaphor i have uh where it's like it's too on theme <laughs> i think that because like we're gonna for the panel itself and like this could be kind of a preview of some of what we're gonna talk about i want to because because it's called it's called pack one pick one the science of chaos drafting i think or the art of chaos drafting i can't remember the final title we said along but it's something like that and I think the conversation is going to be surrounding like a the history of magic, which is like we're going to try to have like a wide range of sets. But also when you want to put a chaos draft together for you and your friends, it can be a special experience where, you know, if it ends up costing 50 bucks a person, it's expensive, but like it's an experience. You go to the bar with a few friends, you guys get a bite and a few drinks like that's what you're doing, right? So the idea is that it's it's you're you're paying for a significant experience, not just a quick magic draft. And so it's okay to spend a little more money. And if you eight people together, you all, you know, throw in let's say 50 bucks, you can get some pretty fun packs. And so it's like how do you do it in a way and structure it in such a way where what you're getting is really special. And that's where I think like 
I think master sets have a place in almost any chaos draft, but I I just recently did uh, an event, a, a casual event with friends where it was all it was all master sets. It was a draft with a hundred percent master sets. There's multiples of a couple, but it was like you know there's like twelve or thirteen master sets. So it was like a bunch of them had two. And what you end up feeling like is just like there's not a lot of personality to these packs. They they mix together and like you you know if you open it, it, it just it doesn't feel as chaotic and fun as you'd want it to because the power level is pretty high. So I think too many master sets is definitely a mistake. Master sets are really nice. And specifically the two horizon sets, which are not technically master sets, but they're kind of in the same. They're like, they're like an extension of the idea of a master set, right? They're unique cards. They're not, they're really fun. Like the horizon sets are really great for chaos draft because they're so powerful. They stand out from any regular expansion. Whatever weird uncommon you open in like a Horizons 2 pack or a Horizons 1 pack will be good enough to be the best card in your deck potentially if you don't get a good rare. And that's like what's really fun about having one or both of the two Horizon sets in a Chaos Draft. I think like between four and eight Master sets is okay out of 24. You know, something like that I think is kind of the right ratio. Um, I've done as many as 10. I've done as few as two. I think that's that's the but like four to eight's the casual sort of average. I like to have a small number of really old packs, somewhere between three and five, like pre two thousands packs. Like old border is usually the like that's the indicator. I like to try to have three to five old border packs. They're usually pretty low power level, you know. They're often in that like Mercadian masks, scourge, torment sort of era. Like that that tends to be kind of the, the type of pack, but it's fun because. You have weird, bad commons from like old sets that just they're kind of interesting and they give it some flavor. It's totally okay to have four, five, six packs of like newer, those less expensive sets we talked about, the sort of throw-ins, the chaff packs, so to speak. I think it's all right if you have a few of them. And then one thing I like to do is if you're if you've been playing Magic a long time, is you go and you look at the card pools for old core sets. And I think if you get too old, they're really expensive. Like sixth edition is crazy expensive. Seventh edition is insanely expensive. But M10, M11 are two of my favorites. The Titans are in those sets at, at Mythic. Lightning Bolts at Common, Mana Leak, Preordain. Like a lot of really Doomblade, a lot of really fun commons are in there. Um, I think those- I think corsets to me are almost, well, especially especially the M corsets. I think pre-M corsets like M10, like I think 10th edition is the same deal. Though like you get old enough, they swing back. I think just like literally just 10th edition is boring. <laughs> Maybe yeah. not. I just think core sets are cool. I would, I would, I, 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 I would them, be yeah. down with pretty much any core set over a master set. There's, I mean, the, the power level, the disparity is like a, it's like a, it's like a 10 to a two. I mean, like, sure, but power level matters <laughs> almost nothing to me in a chaos yeah. draft, right? Like, what yeah. matters to me is like, and and like you get weird stuff, right? Like M11 is an insane set to open because you have a chance of getting any of the five Titans. You have Lightning yeah. Bolt in that set. You have Bane Slayer in that set. Basically, if you open up a Mythic, you're winning the lim- the event. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I like like those older core sets. The M sets specifically are are favorites of mine. Um, there's also like this really fun thing if you want to do the research. Again, we'll we'll move on from the Chaos Draft uh, deep dive in a second here. But like if you want to do the research. And you have an idea of like, okay, this like slivers is the best example I can think of. That's a really easy one where it's like there's been slivers printed now in like nine or ten sets. So if you want to make sure you have one of every pack that's ever had a sliver printed or even multiples of some, 
you can open up the possibility of somebody intentionally drafting slivers. It might not happen, right? You might not open enough slivers because like limited sets by their nature are sort of random, but it's fun to sometimes kind of swing for the fences and curate the packs in that way. It's the same for artifact sets. It's the same for graveyard sets. It's the same for gold sets. Um, you, you know, like there's there's a lot of magic sets now that you can really play around with curating a really specific, a really specific experience. So we're going to try to talk through kind of all the ideas and and sort of all of the things that happen in the panel. And um, I'm super, super hyped. And like I said earlier, just just grateful to be included in the event. You know, love going to these things and it's going to be fun to hang out with you guys. So if you're available on Saturday, come by. I think we're in the early part of the day, like one or noon or something. I'll have to go look and see what the schedule actually says when it comes out. But I think we're in the early part of the day. So. All right, before we get to the next part, we do want to shout out a few of our sponsors. First off, Channel Fireball and TCG Player are the home of the Masters of Modern and, uh, you know, our sponsor for where to buy product from. If you like us and you want to buy product, which I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you probably buy Magic the Gathering product. TCG Player is the place to do it. Uh, there is an affiliate link below in the description of this episode. Uh, if you click on that, it just remembers that we sent you. So just before you start buying something and putting it in your cart, make sure to click on that button so it remembers who you are using the power of API and programming and things that are above my pay grade and understanding. Um, and also a big shout out to Alter Sleeves. Um, if you use the code, the MM cast, they, uh, send us some love, uh, you know, as, as we've gotten a lot of the new cool comic book art and you want to just, you're getting the new companions and you want to make a mutate deck using companions, but you're like, oh man, all of the pre-con commander decks. Well, we were a part of helping develop the altar sleeves version variants so that you can make your companions are your, uh, the mutate creatures from the, uh, commander deck that was made that didn't get that altar art format. You can, get them in that style. So I, I definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, there will be a link below as well. Um, and then last but not least, uh, check out, you know, Kess Co, the company that I uh, started and Ben uh, is is heavily involved in. Uh, we uh, make anime puzzles and tabletop games and outdoor spring summer toys. If you uh, want to check out, uh, you want to do some hooping, uh, like the classic toy hula hoop, you can go to a Walmart and Target and buy one of our hoops. If you want to try doing, uh, if you like anime like Jujutsu Kaisen or Haiku, um, we have puzzles for you and there is cool game announcements involving some of these properties uh, coming out later this year. Uh, so make sure to check out, we have an Amazon store, we're on Target.com. Specifically on Target.com though, the big one is Mega Man. Uh, we have a Mega Man Adventures board game that we released last year uh and it is now available on target.com and if you can go check that out uh making target.com like us it helps us a lot and helps all the other cool games that we're coming out with exist more so make sure to check all of that out uh and we greatly appreciate it uh all right ben second part of the episode we talked about chaos draft for the first half we're on to the second half we got possibly a third half that's how halves work but today we're going to talk about what is the worst color in modern Ooh, worst data and i have some thoughts and it's going to be interesting because i i, I want to talk about like how to kind of build and how to make this color better um but just without me laying any data in front of you just from your heart's heart ben what color would you say you think is the worst color in the format god i'm running through the options in my head trying to think about the best decks and the most crossover between those decks I feel like the worst color in modern. God, I. Okay, I guess I'll just throw it out there. I guess I'll just throw it out there. Is the worst color in modern green? 
Okay, so we're gonna currently right now that we're gonna lock that thought in. Now, second question: Historically, what do you think the worst color in modern is? Red. Okay. So, wow, really? Unless I'm just mistaken, I feel like other than mono red, like you've always had red as a splash color. I guess that's nah, like you're actually, like, now, now you're right. You're right. Death now, shadow. I, just I was thinking about it in terms of like. But I was, I literally just, as you said like that, I started the card lightning here. bolt exists. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess the worst color in modern historically was probably because white's always been a sideboard color. Like probably it's probably white. Yeah. Like with Stoneforge Mystic Unbanned, there was a period where, you know, like just, you had, you had green, black, and blue had Snapcaster Mage, Dark Confidant, and Tarmogoyf. And then blue had, uh, or, or red had Young Pyromancer, but really red had lightning bolt and Goblin Guide. And, um, but, um, so, so historically, I think I would actually probably argue that red is the best. Uh, but I think I agree with you that historically white was the worst, at least until Stoneforge Mystic was unbanned. But now, uh, I, I I believe it's it's it looks pretty bad for black. I was so, just okay, yep. yeah. So, so Fatal Push is at its worst it's ever been. Right, that that you know, Fatal Push and Thoughtseize being the big. Uh, things that mono black used to hang its hat or black and general has hung its hat on black is the one color. That's never only mono color. That is not one a pro tour or not a pro tour, a grand prix. Uh, now grand prix are no longer around, but uh, it's not like a mono black deck has shown up and is dominating. Merfolk is back uh, though. Um, you know, the fact that other removal spells have kind of outclassed fatal push. The fact that the police of the format are no longer thoughtsies, right? It's, it's, solitude it's fury it's uh force negation you know these like really force negation existing has kind of supplemented the need for thoughtsies to be the force of will of the format uh which it was for decades um decades <laughs> modern hasn't existed for decades right please one decade it's over one 10 decade. years old okay <laughs> i almost got really really depressed um but but now beyond that, just looking at, you know, this is MTG Goldfish data, which does come with a grain of salt, right? But if you look at MTG Goldfish data, of all in the top 50 cards in the format, three of them are black. The top 50 creatures of the format, four of them are black. The top 50 spells, so non-creature spells, eight of them are black. The top 15 decks, only eight of them have black mana in them. Now that's some of them are dominant, right? And and one of the things that I will give Black credit for is that some of it is just like it. It's a lot more role play. So the black cards in the Yagamoth deck are only in the Yagamoth deck. The black card in the Indomitable Cruelty deck is literally just uh, Archon of Cruelty, and it's like that is arguably not a black deck. It just has a big creature. It's never going yeah. to cast on the top end for sure. Um, so it's a little wonky, but compared to the other colors that have like significantly more versatile and played staples black kind of is lacking in those categories i mean the thing that's interesting about the black conversation is that if you try to trace back to modern's history we haven't had a dominant just blue black deck maybe ever black white has always been like a, i mean the, the mill deck was like good we've we've had like Mill, Mill deck is in the top fifteen. Mill is one of the main black decks in in the format. It's so the, so so you know the 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 decks that are playing black are Mill, Yogmoth, uh, Rakdos mid range, 
and Living End, with Indomitable Cruity being the fourth one. And arguably, Living End and Indomitable Creativity are only kind of playing black. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I feel like historically, other than the mill deck in the last couple of years, uh, Blue Black has never really had a strong place in modern. Black White uh, was a tokens deck periodically over the years, but it was never like a dominant deck. Uh, black red was like death attacks is probably the best black white deck like the uh yeah, eldrazi yeah, decks uh historically like a like a black red deck was usually part of jund i know over the last few years the rakdos decks have been better and better um but usually like black red on its own was not the like the green was more of the base of that deck and then i would just say black green you have more of those jund and those junk abzan style decks that historically were very good so when you try to think about the most iconic decks in modern history, black is usually not the root color. Um, I guess I, maybe I was being too clever with my guess in the first place, but I wonder what the biggest change is. The cards that come to mind for me when I think about the best black cards sort of lately that have come out that really make a difference. Uh, obviously, Archon is good because it's a strong combo card. You have Dothy Voidwalker, which is I think you know, the- I think that is the biggest the biggest n- good new black card. It's really good. It's double black, so it's it's heavy. It requires you to be like super heavy black and really commit. And then there's a lot of cards that I think got printed that like I would have liked if they were good, but never quite got there. And then cards that used to be iconic and have like a big place in modern have kind of faded. Liliana's not as good in modern as it used to be. People don't play it as much as they used to. Um, uh, 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 what was the card that just came to mind? I, I, I can remember cards like Grim Flayer that at one point were really good and just never see play anymore. Just not a thing. Don't even matter. I mean, like like black gold cards or some like Croxa obviously was a big deal yeah. and sees a lot of play. There's stuff like Blood Tithe Harvester. Uh, you have Grief, right? Grief was a big, big addition just in the in general. Uh, Played, but but I would argue that Grief is the worst oh, of those four. Yeah, in the end, those elementals, like really, it seemed like grief was the hottest one when the spoilers happened. And it seems like now it's the worst of the five, right? Right. Yogmoth and Grist are another two, right? In the in the Yogmoth decks. Um, but it yeah, it, it it it's interesting that how the format has black seems to be the one that most outclassed. And I've actually said this for Commander for a while, that I actually truly believe as white has been fixed in Commander, black is the new worst color in magic. Uh, just overall, because at top tables, it still has the tutors and still has uh, ad nauseum. But when it comes down to it, those tutors are more and more in casual circles kind of considered not fun, right? Not 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 because they're too powerful, but because like they remove the variance of the format, even for the person playing like it is less fun to play a deck more than three times with too many tutors in it in casual settings because eventually you get bored with what your deck is doing and then the next step is like card draw life gain stuff which i think is interesting in commander uh and but like taking that lesson even to modern you know there's a little bit of a like an identity crisis on like what is black best at and why is that good graveyard hate green is bet with endurance is better than that discard well you can't how much better can you get than thought season grief right like it, you i don't think wizards wants to print cards that are better than that right and right. as counter magic gets better in the format with force negation and counterspell those discard effects just become worse because counter magic is classically 
a little bit more versatile than that. Oh, like at the beginning of your, I mean, creature removal in theory is supposed to be blacks like forte, but I was going to say as a part of creature removal, the like destroy sacrifice angle, which like is supposed to be black strength. Like it's the most like destructive color destroy black has gotten very good at and does as much as it can, but the everybody sacrifices stuff or the repetitive redundant, like beginning of upkeep sacrifice. Those effects are horrible. I hate yeah. those effects. They're not fun to play against at all in the very same way, in the very same way that like LD is not fun. Like a card like braids is awful. Like nobody wants to play against a card like that. Like, like in some ways to me, like Ragavan comes to mind as a weird, like it should be a black card. Mm. It's like, like the treasure making isn't right. Like it's, it's, it's almost should be like, like the reverse of death, right? Like it should be a black, it should cost two mana. It should be a black and a red two mana spell. If we're honest uh, with like both, it's slightly too powerful anyways, but like the stealing a card from someone else's library is a cool space that black could play more into and wizards has played more into as part of black's color pie. But for some reason, the best card at that in modern is a red card. Um, the yeah, like, like imagine- to your point, destroying destroying is fine, but exiling is way better, which white is good at. And then yeah. damage is way more versatile, which red is good at. So black kind of once again, and especially with, you know, battles or whatever, like it, black once again falls to the wayside in that contest. So, so if you imagine for a second that Raghavan had been a red, a black card, right? Like imagine that it was, and not a hybrid card, because obviously hybrid would be insane, Yeah, just straight up, straight up black. Yeah, because haste isn't, haste isn't, yeah, dash could be black. That, you know, haste, dash was a Colgan mechanic. You could do the same card, but instead of making a treasure, it could be exile a card, CMC two or less. You can cast it if you do, you pay life equal to its casting cost. So... Uh- I just think it can make a treasure like treasures were a, a Grixis mechanic originally because of Ixalan. I mean, it's like black is the third best at treasure or fourth best. But I don't know why I could like there are other black you, cards that you, make treasures. You think Raghavan could have just been a black card like you could in some ways. I think color pie wise. Yeah, I mean, like the treasure one is the weirdest part, right? But it it's a color bend with the treasure, not a break. And maybe it enters. Maybe the treasure enters the battlefield tapped to make it more less ready but even then like i think like yeah i think it just could ragavan should have been a black card because i just i just imagine if you're going to exile a card from the top of their library and pay and play it black needs to lose life it feels like it's, it's the one no, thing that that, that what you just described without the life lost is a black ability black has get cards from your opponent's library and cast them from exile right like that's oh, what I know, but but Raider's like grasp is that's what like you don't need to lose life for any of that dwathi voidwalker does that Yes, classically cards that that remove cards from your opponent's library that exile them uh, can be free. But this is a two one for one. So if you're going to do it in black, I think you want the card to be balanced. Yeah, but if, if you wanted the card to be balanced, you can cast it without paying its casting cost. But it has to be two or less, and it's going to cost you life. Why? I mean, like, like if, if it's supposed to be as good as Ragavan, right? Like, there's nothing. There are cards that do everything that Ragavan does in black. But but Ragavan, you have to pay the casting cost. I'm saying you attack on turn two, you flip a two drop. Now you can cast that two drop without paying its mana cost, but it costs you two life. So you can accelerate by paying well, two life and getting their two drop. 
but I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm my argument, like, yes, there's a ton of ways we could redesign a card, but I'm saying that Ragavan as is, as is printed today could be a black card and should have been a black card. It shouldn't have I, maybe been printed. Like there's like the argument you're making is this card shouldn't exist, right? Ragavan is too powerful in red. Cause like every other part of it is like black has had more one mana two ones than red has black has haste creatures. Black has the ability to make treasures. Black casts spells off their opponent's graveyards. Black has dash creatures. Nothing about that card is not a black card, other than the sure. fact that it's a hasty 2-1 for one, but before Ragavan, that would have been not okay. And that's True. for two mana anyways, right? Like, the, the Ragavan is a break in red. <laughs> so yeah. That card is bonkers. <laughs> uh, like, Goblin Guide is a better, like, was the best red one-drop creature of all time, and Ragavan just does what it does slightly better in a lot of ways um i mean i guess your point is sound which is that like what i'm arguing for is a is a fix on a card in a different color versus like i'm just saying that i think black paying life to do something it it almost makes it uh in some ways being able to pay life to cast the thing on turn two without paying its mana cost is even better than ragavan because now you have your two mana to cast the two drop in your hand, and you've also gotten their two drop off the top of their library for two life. So it's sure, even like sure. more <laughs> massive acceleration. Like I just mean that from a from a like black, it's like almost like the it, it almost should have been there it was a tenuous bargain of if you can't cast a land because it says cast, so land is nothing. It's a it's a dead card. If it's two or less, you can cast it without paying its mana cost. And if it's three or more, something bad happens. Like you lose a life, but, or you like. We're, we're kind of getting away from my point to begin with, right? Which is not not even necessarily like what would a black Ragavan look like? It's more just like black hasn't gotten cool cards and red has gotten yeah. a lot of cool cards, right? Like the fact that in that set, it had got both Dragon Rage Channeler and Ragavan, maybe two of the four best one drop creatures ever printed. One of the ones being a green black one that's banned being Death Ray Shaman is weird. <laughs> um, and that's kind of true of all the other colors. And I think just the, like the idea of bringing more interesting gameplay, because the problem on the other hand is that exile your opponent stuff and getting to play with it is also relatively unpopular. There is a vibe in a part of the magic community. I don't agree with this because I think I have no problem with this, but they don't like other people touching their stuff, right? There's a level of like mm-hmm. you winning using my cards is an unfun experience in the same way that kind of like mill is relatively be hated. People don't like losing to mill because it's just like the feeling of it. Or in fact is another one, right? There's something of viscerally not fun for players. Uh, not to say that wizards shouldn't lean into that, but if that's a big new design space for black and a portion of the community doesn't like it, that also doesn't seem like an answer to making fun, powerful black mana cards that are playable in modern that wizards is going to lean into. So I, I don't, I don't have a good answer. I think Dwath, like Dwathi Voidwalker is like a, an example of the same kind of effect. Right. So, um, but I, I think, think it's that- interesting that like it's in this weird space where competitively it's falling by the way. And, and it, and what's funny is like competitively in standard indoor pioneer, this is not true, right? Like Elish is an insane, right. not Elish Norton. Uh, Shieldred is an insane card. It's Cards not good enough for modern, but in standard and pioneer, it's dominant. In Pioneer, you have the the black, um, like the 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 Grease Fang decks, right? Is like one of the best decks in the format. Um, so it's a weird, it's a specifically modern problem. I was gonna say, I just I think that part of that is just it's the 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 not involvement. It's like it's like the 
it's the growth of the power level and the card depth that exists now in modern that it's it's kind of in some ways why like modern as a format has changed to a place where like you can't really come up with clever ideas using cute cards anymore. The power level is so high now, you have to be playing the best cards. If you aren't playing the best cards, you might get away with playing three or four cards in your 60 that are a little less good, but really because what you're competing against is so pushed, very similar to how Legacy used to be in the old days, and it is even more so now, but like Modern used to feel like Legacy light, and Modern is just sort of Legacy now, like the power level is so high. So that like you mentioned that Shieldred is not good enough for Modern. That's so insane. That card is so bananas. It's a four five for four that wins the game on its own. Doesn't even need anything. Just is that good. And it's like definitely not good enough for modern. It's definitely too expensive, too slow. Um, so I, I do think that to that end, like what we're talking about in terms of power level and what used to exist versus what exists now, you guys can refer back to our episode from maybe four or five months ago where we did like a whole is this card still good enough for modern segment? We talked through all the, you know, Snapcasters and Tarmogoyfs and all these cards that used to be staples. And we asked the question of which ones can you still play? And the answer for most of them was you can't <laughs> like most of them aren't good enough anymore. And it's a it's a clear diagram of, you know, what has happened since. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I think I think like it's interesting how powerful mono black decks or black decks in general are in standard right now for how little those cards have trickled down in the modern. And I don't have a really good solution to that um or if they we want them to push them that far like the fact that i mean i'm, I'm, I'm trying to see like how many decks right now in modern shieldred is seeing play in and it's not nothing right like some yagamoth lists are playing in the sideboard jun's playing it like it's not seeing no modern play and maybe that's like the answer like it, it could creep up in time to being a more playable card i think i think part of the issue too is maybe just graveyard hate is too strong like there's like a like endurance being as good as it is and fury being as good as it is means that just like there's a library fury is not a graveyard deck a hate deck but like solitude would be like the the those cards are making the graveyard deck just like much worse and the ones that are good are like the cascade ones which are seeing play and black is one of the cards in that right so i i think i think the first point is also to not be ignored here which is yes these mo like the black cards are more specific and so there are decks playing them though in the top 15 not as many as the other colors but the decks that are playing them are playing specific ones that aren't staples and there's not as versatile like the versatile black cards are seeing less play thought sees isn't as good as it used to be fatal push has been kind of pushed out so that that's the part that's i think the interesting feature so so after black, do you want to hear the ranking of the colors just based on this, like the, the the how we did it? So for to people, so they understand, we took the MTG Goldfish data, the all category, each one's worth a point, creatures are worth a point, spells are worth a point, and then decks I gave two points. Um, but basically the ranking is black is has the least amount of cards. What do you think second least is? I don't know. Blue? Uh, it's white with uh, with uh, 41 points. It is it is interesting because it is not it is not the least amount in all, which is green. Green is interestingly the least of the all category, but it's in way more decks. Um, it's only in six decks. It has four, eight total spells and 12 total creatures. So it's just like it's a role player. Uh, next guess. Uh, 
So what? What's the order so far? It's 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 what, black, black is so, bottom, then white. I feel like I've been so off with my my guesses. Uh, uh, blue, <laughs> blue. Uh, no, it's green. <laughs> oh, green, green. You're, just, you're, just teeing, you're teeing me up to humiliate me, guys. Well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping our lovely audience is also guessing in the comments and hitting that smashing that like button as as one is supposed to while watching these videos. Uh, so next is blue and then red. Red is the red is number one. Um with uh, equal amount of decks between the two of them. So it, it is a really interesting just how the color world is hanging out. I made like it was half joking, but right now red and white definitively have like two of the best one drop creatures ever printed in modern and red has two of them between Ragavan and Dragorade Channeler and white has Esper Sentinel. Uh, green then has like the library of bird of paradise variants plus sure. it has um the which i guess is a bird of paradise variant if you want to argue arboreal grazer which is actually its most played creature in the format it also has the new artifact creature the one mana one that you can pay a green mana to uh sacrifice it to destroy an artifact an enchantment oh sure uh yeah, yeah the might the might uh and then but black black like has stitcher supplier is probably its best or like grave crawler which is like a significant drop down um and blue has your buddy delver of secrets and hedger oh. crab are it's delver's so good man no arguments uh, it's there. not seeing any play in modern it i think i think actually the two most the, the most played one drop blue creature is tide shaper yeah oh, god and then, and, then it, and then it drops down to not hedge and crab the <laughs> other crab yeah yeah well, ruin crab yeah, Ruin Crab. And then it drops down to Ruin Crab. Those are the two best blue one-drop creatures in the format. So, like, sure. depending on what category you pick, you can rank these things in however way you want. But there you're definitely seems to be... You're, you're, you're a Delver hater. That's the whole the whole point of this podcast is just to poop on Delver. It's all you're doing. Uh, I literally am arguing with people on TikTok right now about Delver because I made a video about this one-drop conversation. Because because the, the joke kind of was, like, for so long, these formats were dominated by the two-drop cycle, right? The Stoneform Mystic, Snapcaster right. Mage, Dark Confidant, Young Pyromancer, Tarmogoyf. Um, and they've all been outclassed, right? Almost none of them are staples anymore, other than Stoneforge Mystic, yeah. and, which is, like, bonkers. Um in Legacy and Modern, but they've been supplanted by Raghavan, Esper Sentinel, you know, um, arguably Birds of Paradise variant. I put Arboreal Grazer, but mostly the troll people. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to add in like a second ago when you were talking about the power, I think, of Solitude, Endurance and Fury. Um, I think the interesting thing about those cards being printed is that obviously when the design of those cards was happening, there was a there was a bargain being made by the designers of, OK, like we have to make the front side of this card when you cast a creature for its full value, not so outrageously powerful that if you sacrifice a card in your hand to do this, it's going to make this card like insane, like crazy dominant. They wanted them to be I know they wanted them to be good, right? They were obviously pushed, but they had to make the bargain. And I think what's happened is that they're good enough. They are good enough on their front side that because your opponent has to know, okay, I could get solituded here. I could get endurance here. You know, I could get uh, furied. You can't get uh, instant speed furied. So it's a little different. Um, but 
the fact that they like have to play around the idea that their opponent may have this thing slows down their pace of play enough that it actually balances out in the favor of the elementals more than I think wizards probably anticipated because what three of them, the, the blue, the white and the green all have flash and then the, and then the red and the black do not. Um, the other three all have flash. So because 60% of these cards all have the ability to interact with you when they are tapped out, it means that if you're a smart magic player in a high power format, you will, and I can't say for everybody, you might be aggressive, but the gamble in your brain becomes, I'm going to play aggressively or I'm going to play conservatively knowing they may have this thing in their hand because it's popular and it's ubiquitous in the format. It's extremely powerful. And if I go for this thing and they blow me out, if they exile my graveyard in response, if they exile my creature in response, um, you know, I'm done. Like game's over, basically. I've essentially lost. And I think because of that fact, because I think it actually pushed these elementals way further than a wizard's ever anticipated. And that's to me sort of like when I think about that, you talk about the one drop versus two drop conversation. It's kind of the same thing of, of like, the two drops used to dominate modern, it got faster in the very same way where now one drops are the most important part of the format. The two drops don't matter anymore. The format's faster and you have this piece of interaction that is sort of potentially a halfway zero turn. And I, I think that that's it kind of tells the story of what the format is now. It's powerful one drops and the and the fear that your opponent may have something that they can interact with you for zero. And it makes casting a two drop that doesn't you know immediately do something amazing because none of them do stoneforge mystic gets you an equipment but you can't do anything with the equipment when you get it tarmogoyf's just a good creature dark confidant doesn't draw you any cards snapcaster means you have to have more than two mana to do something probe is banned so you can't cast it on turn two and do anything like whatever the red one is now pyromancer who even knows but not none of them have the ability Ragaban to activation yeah. <laughs> none of them have the ability to actually do anything on turn two right so it's like that it's i think that that's kind of the story of the format and i just think that the design of those those elementals if none of them had flash i think they would all be really good i think they would all be playable cards still they'd all be like very good I just think they wouldn't have defined modern. And I think that like the fact that three had flash became defining features of the format in a way that maybe the designers knew, but you know, there's no going back. So, so this is, this is my thought on it is I think the elementals have done a good job along with counterspell and a bunch of other really powerful removal and slowing the format down. I think that was wizard's goal. I think wizard's goal was, Pro players historically have complained about modern because modern felt like a bunch of ships passing in the night. And the way to fix that is a giving extremely powerful, versatile removal spells to every deck in the format. And that's what the elementals did single handedly. Right. And, and the, you can almost look at the elementals and rank their power level in inverse to how powerful the interaction for those colors was before the elementals existed right sure and even to an extent argue that the one that they missed on which is fury i think they wanted fury to be less powerful than it ended up being um oh, crazy. Like that i think was the biggest like oh fury is more powerful than it should have been 
uh, uh, of the five or whatever. And but the goal for them was we want this format to be slower. And it has been. And it also is a format that is a lot more interactive. Like every deck is interacting with every deck. It's like, you know, it's it's kind of the conversation of like, there are a lot of people that think the format gameplay wise from a gameplay perspective is the best it's ever been. But from like a thesis statement on what modern is supposed to be, which is like the home for cards I love that are no longer in standard. It's not that it's closer to almost legacy in the home of every card ever printed ever, but then it doesn't get to play with all the commander cards. It has this weird middle ground between both places where pioneer is now the format where every card that was in standard for that period of time, it lives the problem with pioneer being that there's just not as much nostalgia built into sets that modern had uh or has and, and that it could just be boomer talking of course um no no i think i think i think one thing on that subject that is like so significant and this is like something i only realized now 10 years later is that when modern started i had been someone who had paid attention to magic's basically whole history and i knew that the early phase of magic those first few years when i loved it and it was like not refined yet like that let's say like the alpha through urzas or something that like most of those cards were like pieces of nostalgia i had that weren't going to be relevant to what i was currently doing like they they were there wasn't enough of them they were old and weird so what modern was was lots and lots and lots of cards that had been in standard over the last few years with a few old weird cards and that was what modern was and it was exciting and legacy i didn't understand legacy was like my brain was like ah i can't process all these weird cards that I didn't pay attention to because I wasn't really playing those standard formats in 1996. I like know of those sets, but I wasn't obsessed. And that's my experience. But 10 years later, people who are getting into magic now or have been over the last five or six years, they think of those Urza sets and realistically like most of the early modern sets as that way. Like that's 20 years ago. I didn't play during that. I have no memory of Mirrodin. I don't know what these cards are. Like, right. I don't like they're like, I don't care about the original Ravnica or like Time Spiral. They're like, I care about, you know, like like a return to Ravnica. And I care about Innistrad. And I care about these, these were like the old sets when I started. So that to, to them in their mind, right? It's like Pioneer is the same way that modern felt to us. It it is the same thing of there's this whole world beyond what I know. I don't need to care about because it's too old. And I think, so I think I think in my, and this is very this is very personal, right? This is Alex Kessler's wishes, not what I think. But I think it's a good starting point because <clears throat> I think it's a, the moment magic exploded for the first time in a long time. I kind of wish Pioneer started with M10. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's it's post damage on the stack rule changing it. You know, they're going to ban the fetch lands anyways, right? Just like ban all 10 fetch lands, whatever. And then then I think I think I just love the format entirely because I think the main cards that are missing for me are not the Lauro and cards are not the come. I, I understand that that's like six sets that you're removing, right? You're moving. Uh, Mirrodin, you're removing Kamigawa, you're removing Ravnica, you're removing Time Spiral, you're removing Lorwyn, you're removing Shards of Alara, and that six is not a large enough number to remove from the format to make it viable. But fine, I guess. I guess I get why Pioneers return to Ravnica. It just feels like <laughs> what are like what are the so when you say that I want what are the, the format. 
Oh, it's specifically basically Innistrad is like the thing. That's like for I want, you. That's the- I want so like I love Stoneforge Mystic and Snapcaster Mage, Birthing Pod. Like there's a bunch of cards from that era that are not in the format that could be Splinter Twin will be back without the spells from before it. This is I'm also listing off why they would never do this. Uh, yeah, I want Snapcaster Mage back. I want the cards that are no longer viable in modern to be viable somewhere. You're yeah, you're 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 in you're in like early modern boomer nostalgia mode where you're just like they these cards really back and fit thoughtsies into Pioneer. Give me Snapcaster Mage. I don't disagree that I think those cards are totally fine. Like I especially think, because like, Lightning Bolt wouldn't be in the format. Is Snapcaster Mage too good for Pioneer if Lightning Bolt isn't in the format? Let's be honest, Lightning Bolt's gonna be in the format at some point. I don't it's think it will. Happen. I think they specifically I think even if they did print Lightning Bolt in the standard, they would ban it in Pioneer. Yeah, I think I think to them a defining feature of Pioneer is that Lightning Bolt isn't in the format in the same way that a defining feature of Legacy and Modern is that Brainstormer isn't in Modern. I just think these margins are so thin. It's just like what's gonna like really like Lightning Bolt's so good. I love that card. It's amazing. But also in a sixty card deck, there being four copies of this one card, and now it's so many of the other still to this day one of the most played cards in the format. I just it don't. Is the, it yeah. is it is the most played spell in modern now, today. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I, it is in fifty eh, percent of decks. Maybe we'll see. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it comes back at some point. I mean, modern it's standard is dead anyway. Like standard is not a format people play other than on arena. So. Well, no, no. But my point is, it's pioneer. I don't think they wanted a pioneer. I think I think they would ban it if if they printed lightning bolt in standard because they felt standard needed lightning bolt, which like just they doesn't. But <laughs> say they did feel that need, they would ban it in Pioneer. Like I think a defining feature of Pioneer is that lightning bolt is not legal in the way that brainstorm isn't ever going to be legal in modern and and wasteland's never going to be legal in modern. Feels like now more so than it used to be. Actually, that's true. It was a conversation for a long time about like when when or if would those cards get printed in modern, and I feel like now there's I don't think- more. I don't think Brainstorm was ever going to be printed in the modern. I think Wasteland we've talked about. Like Brainstorm, the problem with Brainstorm, like Serum Visions and Ponder are still banned in modern, right? And brain and it's not like like Fetchlands are also legal in modern. I think Brainstorm is safer in Pioneer than modern. <laughs> I think there used to be more of a conversation about like modern. Uh, I, I think there used to be more of a conversation about the cards from Legacy that would eventually end up in modern. And there was just kind of this understanding that like eventually they would all end up in modern and like Legacy would just eventually be the same format because other than the reserve list cards, like Wizards doesn't want to support Legacy. So that was sort of the idea. And I think as enough time has passed, Wizards has more of a vibe of like, okay, I'm cool with Legacy like existing and like living and it's going to have these features. And modern is going to have a cap here at this point. And instead of giving you those cards, we're going to print other cards like that. That's like what it feels like to me is like we're going to make. I can see wizards starting to allow commander sets to be just directly into modern. Maybe never commander the the product decks, but like the more and more stuff like Lord of the Rings will be modern printed. Like if we go if we get a conspiracy three, I could see conspiracy three unless it's a like commander legends conspiracy set or like I can imagine it being in modern. I think I think. Like the new limited formats are going to be divided by modern horizon sets, commander legend sets. Those are going to be the two types of supplementary sets that we get that are draftable or master sets. Those are the three. That's the triangle. And that is making modern more like legacy, right? And that I can see them printing wasteland into. I never can see them printing brainstorm. 
because they're not going to print brainstorm in the modern when they're not printing they're not unbanning zero visions in modern because brainstorm as long as fetch lands exist is just strictly better than banned cards uh not strictly better please don't come for, well please come for me fight me strictly better comments uh <laughs> help the algorithm out um but i i think that like to that same extent i don't think lightning bolt's ever going to pioneer i think i think snapcaster mage good though to be honest i think stoneforge mystic could like what if they print Stoneforge Mystic in the standard? It finds the two swords. There's no, there's no Batter Skull. There's no Kaldheim, or there's no Cal, uh, not Kaldheim, but the complete, the complete guy, Cauldra. Cauldra. There's no Cauldra. And I think they love the fact that they can come up with cool one mana blue cantrips that like do surveil one at instant speed, or you know, like that yeah, are yeah, yeah, yeah. slightly better than Zero Visions, right? And that I think is an interesting design space to keep open, where like. They were getting to the point where like two mana counter spells are just like just print counter spell like it, yeah which and they they're doing stuff like that right counter spell is in modern I just don't like looking at what's on the ban list looking at what cards exist in the format and then the same to pioneer what differentiates these formats I don't see it I can see Snapcaster Mage and Tarmogoyf being printed in the pioneer though <laughs> and yeah Pyromancer yeah. being printed in, uh, Pyromancer is in pioneer right yeah I believe it is. Um... Snap already feels like in Pioneer, like it could be a thing. I don't like like Snapcaster Mage to me feels like with the power level of cards that get printed nowadays. I don't think Snapcaster Mage feels pushed anymore. Yeah, it is. Tarmogoy feels all right on the edge. It feels like I know you could print it. It would be fine, but I know that it would be the best green creature at its rate by a wide margin. Like yeah, I can. I'm not really that promised to Tarmogoyf, especially because I think there are other interesting ways to make beefy green creatures at two mana that Tarmogoyf would just negate, which is an uninteresting. Snapcaster Mage is one of the most fun cards ever printed. Super fun. And when you get rid of Lightning Bolt, its biggest negative effect on a format goes away. Yeah, agreed. Like Snapcaster yeah, Fatal that... Push is not that terrifying. <laughs> no, it's like a you're left with like a 2-1 body. It costs you like it's slow and clunky and like fun and you can see it coming. And if you get caught on it, it, like as a player playing it, it doesn't feel like you're doing something unfair. It's yeah, it's it's I agree. I think I think Snapcaster Mage is fun. So, yeah, that's so if, if you could print any card that's not legal and modern right now, that's black just to, to, to circle back to black being the worst color to make it more fun and also better in the format. What card do you print into the format or unban? I mean, hard question. Are we talking cards that are like reserve list or or not? not yeah, it has to be printable. Can't be like can't be a reserve list card. What model? What model that, black reserve list card do you want in modern? I'm just, I, I'm not even saying I want them. I was literally thinking of my options. Like, is Doomsday a reserve list card or no? There's a, no, it's not. It's in. It's, it was, there's a secret layer. I have a Junji Ito secret layer like right behind me with one. It's sick. I was like, <laughs> I think like 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 Doomsday comes to mind. Uh, him to Torok. It's not in modern. That'd be like a card that you could print, right? I was in like a master. Yeah, step and the Torok would be cool. I think him the Torok would be a cool one. Uh, I think um, uh, uh, not surgical extraction. Um, what's the uh, name a card? They reveal your hand. They discard the cards you named. Flashback sacred creature. Oh, oh yeah yeah yeah. Cabal therapy is a that 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 one feels. That one feels like it probably should be in modern by now. That, that, that one's a spicy like that one, now. I think. Uh, yeah. Another another one like, and this is one that a lot of people brought up is, 
unbanned uh in a world where Ragavan exists is deathright shaman on the ban list make sense <laughs> i don't want deathright shaman in modern it's too yeah good. I, think, I think i think i think deathright shaman is better than i mean this is maybe the final hot take of the show i think deathright shaman is better than Ragavan. i think like it is better regardless of what your opponent is doing it is ren and six you know doesn't die to ren six it fixes your mana in a way that Ragavan also kind of fixes your mana it does damage without them ha- if they have a blocker it doesn't matter it's not legendary so you can have multiple of them the yeah, issue think- with Ragavan, like compared to it's compared to like a uh, death ray shaman like if you've played with both a lot which i have is that you realize very quickly that if you go against the wrong deck Ragavan's not good like it's just a two one for one that just gets blocked like if they have a blocker and you don't have a way to get around the blocker or you draw another one later in the game, it just doesn't do literally anything. It's and like that's the issue with how good the card is, is that it's so good in the situations on turn one that it's amazing and it can win the game on its own. But it doesn't create a late game. I draw or even a mid game. I draw this and this is going to still win me. Whereas like that was the thing about Deathrite Shaman that was so good was you would play it and it would like still get you super far ahead and then you would just like draw it mid game and be like oh this game's close i'll just win because i did eight damage to you from my activated ability oh you can't win because i'm just going to gain two life every turn for the next four turns and that means that i'm going to inevitably win the game like it is such an innocuous powerful thing uh that i think i don't disagree with you that i think death right shaman is still better um going back to what you were saying a second ago as far as like black cards that i think could be in the format yeah i think i think those ones both cabal therapy is probably the most interesting definitely him to turok is really really good cards really cool uh i thought of another one just a second yeah i mean that's interesting because it's cross three like you can you know you can definitely do some fun stuff could they print Dark Ritual in the modern? I don't think so. But like Storm's pretty blue red specific. There's not really benefits to being black for Storm other than okay, having okay. that card is insane. What about what about this? So I know you can't print Demonic Tutor. That's too good. And I don't think you can print Vampiric Tutor because I think instant speed for any kind of a combo deck is too good. Could you print Imperial Seal into modern? Sorcery speed. Lose two. Card disadvantage. I think it removes goodness from the format. Like it homogenizes and makes combo too strong. Like I think could that like a tutor doesn't. Could they print, like, could they print black one Imperial seal? Same card, but it costs two. I mean, grim, grim, grim tutor doesn't see any play. Really? And that's in, that's in the format. So like the line is how much, better than grim tutor do you have to be to see play in the format i mean on the other hand the cards that do eldritch evolution right that's that's like the type of tutor that does see play because it puts the creature into play i don't know maybe maybe imperial seal but on top of like for two mana is playable in the format well i think it is for sure playable but is it is it too good i don't know a part of me part of me is like thinking more like like is animate dead too good for the format no i think you could i think you could print animate dead it literally it, it reanimates a creature. So There's like Grizzlebrand on turn two. You can get Grizzle. I mean, you can get Grizzlebrand on turn two with uh, what's it called? Glorious Vengeance. But it's only yeah. for a turn. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's enough. You draw seven cards. Sure. Like that 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 hardly sees play. Like it's and it's instant speed, isn't it? Great. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like you the, you can do end of turn. Like uh, I I feel like animate dead or dance the dead, either card, they're both the same problem of like, yeah, you could get like a really sick hexproof creature, and your if your opponent like or or like an Iona or something like that, like your opponent can interact with, but it it also just means like it costs two. It can get countered. The spell can get removed. You can get wrathed. I I don't think. I think they're both fine. I think reanimate would be a problem, but I think that animate dead and dance the dead would be fine. Okay. All right. So that is it for today's episode. Uh, thank you everyone for watching. Once again, thank you to all our patrons. If you're not a patron, you should become one. You get early access to each episode each week, plus uh, a 10 minute plus bonus episode at the beginning of each episode that's exclusive to patrons uh you um if you once again if you're going to be buying any cards make sure you teach to clear make sure you hit that smash subscribe like and bell button uh below and comment with uh you know what you think the worst color actually is and, you know is it black based on what we were talking about or are we crazy and black's actually bonkers uh we will be back next week uh, i believe it'll be me and a guest because ben will be on the road uh but we'll talk to all of you uh next week thanks everybody and we'll uh, and yeah i was gonna say thank you again bye bye thank you again this has been a production of time traveler media sending podcasts into the future